and welcome to Oh Shit with Odina. I hope you're doing fucking fine, and if you're not, well, you'll be okay. <laughs> Get over it, actually. Sorry, it's a little inside joke with myself that no one else will get or I mean I don't know maybe they will maybe I'm trying to be too cool I don't know I need to just start fucking talking about what I'm supposed to talk about on this episode so I did it I got a letterbox few weeks back I went out and I went to what apparently was a frat didn't know it was a frat but there were like maybe maybe 20 people there probably more like 15 and half of them were students of the film club here at App State University. And I had a super good time talking to them about film. And they were like, dude, you have to get a letterbox. Because, you know, I have those expert opinions when it comes to movies. So I did. And, you know, it's been fun. I like it a lot. I love, I just love talking about movies. I love watching movies. One of my, <laughs> I guess this is kind of a weird resolution, but I have, like, a goal to, like, once a week get just really fucking stoned and watch a movie that, like, makes me feel something, you know? Um, and I'm going to go into some of the movies I've already watched in just a second. But I've been keeping up well with that, and I've been getting into more movie stuff. Might actually join film club. We'll see if I have time in between the swimming and beekeeping. God, I'm so multidimensional. <laughs> but yeah no I I've definitely gotten to some movie stuff I have some lists going on and uh I don't know I kind of want to talk about it today because I very recently watched a super controversial movie that has sparked some thoughts for me and if you haven't caught on at this point I am a raging fucking feminist so maybe talk a little bit about feminine theory in here Maybe talk a little bit about sexism in the movie industry. I don't know. You know, kind of kind of get into it. Have a little bit of fun. So for a second there, I was like, oh, you know what? I'm going to read everyone, like all the movies I've seen on Letterboxd. And then I was like, you know what? That's boring and y'all aren't going to like that. So instead, I'm just going to read you like the ones that I've liked enough to like rate and added to my liked list. But I'm not going to tell you the ratings and everything. I'm going to just tell you some of the movies. Um, except I'm going to skip over one because I'm not ready to talk about it yet. <laughs> it's very fresh for me. Um, so I'll go ahead and go through some of my favorite movies I've seen. The Menu, Nope, Everything Everywhere All at Once, my favorite movie of all time, Fresh, Midsummer, Isle of Dogs, Lady Bird, Swiss Army Man, Interstellar, Her, The Perks of Being a Wallflower, 21 Jump Street, Juno, Superbad, Murmur, Marie Antoinette, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, Kill Bill, Almost Famous, Almost Famous, Jesus fucking Christ, guys, I can't say these names, But I'm a Cheerleader, American Beauty, 10 Things I Hate About You, The Truman Show, Train Spotting, Forrest Gump, Nightmare Before Christmas, Grease, and Monty Python and the Holy Grail. So I would say those are all definitely some of my favorite, like, fucking movies of all time. Top three, probably Everything Everywhere All at Once, um, Eternal Sunshine, and Interstellar. I'm not going to lie. Um, maybe those are some basic choices, but, you know, I don't like the term basic because shit's popular for a reason, and pretending that you don't like popular shit stopped being cool as soon as we graduated fucking high school. So, I'm going to just leave that little, I'm going to leave that little hot piece there. 
So if you want to kind of get a good feel for my movie tastes, I'd say I like stuff that has like a good meaning or at least an interesting message, but I'm really not a big fan of movies that take themselves too seriously. Um, I think that's why Everything Everywhere All at Once is one of my favorite movies. Um, also why I really enjoyed Swiss Army Man and why I like movies like The Menu, 21 Jump Street. I'm not gonna lie. Okay. Guys, I may be a little biased. I just, I have a big crush on Channing Tatum. Like, I really like Channing Tatum, guys. Like, I don't think you understand. Like, his, his new and last Magic Mike movie came out yesterday and I wholeheartedly intend on going and seeing it for Valentine's Day weekend. <laughs> is that sad? No. Fuck anyone who says that's sad. This is my first year being single on Valentine's Day in like four or five fucking years. I will go watch Channing Tatum dance on women and and be sexy while I eat chocolate alone. It's what I want. But, yeah, I do have a big crush on Channing Tatum. In fact, I'm not going to lie. I asked a guy for his number the other day just because he looked like Channing Tatum. I can already kind of tell he's a piece of shit, like, just from the way he talks. But he looked like Channing Tatum, so what can I fucking say? Oh. And I also, I kind of love, like, telling dudes that Channing Tatum's my type because then they get, like, really insecure. <laughs> Is that mean? Oh, my gosh. I, I, they get so insecure, they're like, damn, she likes Channing Tatum. Fuck. And it's like, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I don't know who I'm attracted to at this point. I'm not going to lie. I'm in, a, I'm in a weird place where, like, I'm just, I kind of just, like, don't want to date anyone. <laughs> and I sure I told, I told my therapist today, I was like, yeah, I actually don't find anyone attractive right now. So the fact that I find Channing Tatum attractive, I'm going to hold on to that one. But back to movies. I originally got into film probably in, like, high school. And, um, you know, I think, like, when we all start, we're all just trying to be, like, unique and, like, interesting as fuck. And, oh, God, we were all exposed to the internet way too fucking young and way, way too fucking much. But I think some of the first movies that I, like, really looked into and started talking about were, um, like, ooh, the controversial ones, like... House of a Thousand Corpses is one. I'll say I still like that movie. I still think it's a good one. Um, I think it's creative, but, you know, it's not, like, it's not that great. Um, Cannibal Holocaust, Tusk, uh, fucking, God, what are some of the other really strange ones? If you haven't heard of, I think it's called Gory Vomit Dolls. Hold up, let me look that up really quick. Slaughtered Vomit Dolls by Lucifer Valentine. Let me read you the description. Made in 2006, the gruesome tapestry of psychological manifestations of a 19-year-old bulimic runaway stripper-turned-prostitute as she descends into a hellish pit of satanic nightmares and hallucinations. Now, I'll say I have not watched that movie um, because I found out about that one more recently. Um, and something I'm going to go ahead and talk about and get out of the way because I don't want to address it past this point in film talking area whatever a lot of movies are made for the sake of what i'd call horror porn which doesn't necessarily mean like people dress scary and fucking and like doing gross shit some people just really like horror 
And that's fine. I was a bitch who was like, oh, wow, this is so like, this is so freaking scary or not. What's the word I'm looking for? Oh, this is so terrible. And this is so hard. This is so hard to watch. And this is so, oh, this is making me sick. And I hate seeing like these terrible things happening on screen. So deep. Uh, you know, I was in that phase for a little while. Um, when I first got into film and I think everyone kind of goes through that and maybe they don't, maybe I'm just the only one, maybe I'm a fucking weirdo, but I, uh, upon further thinking about it, I think it's kind of weird and I'll go ahead and say it. I'll, I'll call it the fucking elephant in the room. Yes. I know about a Serbian film. I'm going to be so real with you for a second that like literally please take me seriously when I say don't look into it don't look into it like straight up you don't want to and I know you're probably going to and you're probably getting warm and be like oh is it that bad it is bad enough that I don't want to talk about it and I'm gonna be really honest about that um a Serbian film when I first heard of it and watched it I was deeply disturbed and I it makes me a little ill even thinking and talking about it I'm gonna be honest but I um you know, I tried being like, oh, well, the director was trying to get across this point and trying to do this. Um, but, you know, I'm a, shit. I'm going to just say it like it fucking is. Go ahead. You know, what? I'm going to go ahead and I haven't given it yet and I don't want to have to go back in and edit it. Trigger warning right here. I'm going to talk probably I'm going to talk some about the porn industry. I'm going to talk some about children's involvement in the film industry and I'm also, you know, I'm going to be talking about some relatively disturbing stuff related to, you know, some of these films include accounts of assault, murder, violence, uh, throw up, you know, gore, things like that. So I just want to put that out there for everyone listening, you know, just so you guys know. So if you don't want to listen, feel free to skip past this next part. But Serbian film is it's no I'm not gonna even give it the airtime that it fucking I that I'm not gonna give it what it no here's what I'm gonna say about it a child should never to any fucking capacity be involved in a film like that and that is why I hate that film that's why I completely agree with the fact that it's banned in many countries and I think it should stay that fucking way I think honest to god that film should be taken off the face of the fucking earth because I don't care what fucking reason you have. I don't care what kind of artistic point you're trying to get across. The violent images and the things displayed in that film are quite frankly, I still get intrusive thoughts about it. And it makes me very ill. And in regards to not just a Serbian film, but um, what was it? Slaughtered Vomit Dolls and Cannibal Holocaust and... All these other really, ooh, controversial, gory film. What's the, what's the, scarer? What's the, terrifier? Terrifier? Fuck those movies. That, I don't want to say fuck those movies, though, because I know everyone has their opinions. I'm just going to mostly say, getting into film, try to skip the part where you see all the fucked up shit and you're just like, whoa, this is crazy that this stuff's made. Because it's really... It's really, to in, in my opinion, those films are very soulless and they're very, you know, they 
try to be like, oh, I have this deep meaning, but I feel like it's very just whitewashed, male privilege-esque. Oh my God, look at these gruesome, terrible things that are happening. You know, it's very hard to imagine a director sitting behind a camera making those things happen when realistically those things happen on a daily basis and those things happen to people. And I think that some people want to come from a place of using these very graphic, violent things to prove a point or to create some kind of weird abstract art. It's fucked up. And some people argue and say, oh, well, they're trying to be realistic or they're trying to portray what really happens. No. Because for people who have been through traumatic experiences, I don't want that traumatic experience being turned into your fucking soulless art. It's ridiculous. It's unnecessary. And I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, violence and gore can't happen in films. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying don't agree with this fucking facade of, oh, it's for the sake of art when no, it's it's shock porn, horror porn. It's for fucking, you know, it's element of surprise. It's, oh, my God, I can't believe I made this happen. It's soulless and I don't like it. And in that vein, I'll go ahead and get into something else I don't like. Um, And I'll mention one movie in specific in regards to this. So let's talk about A Clockwork Orange. A Clockwork Orange used to be one of my favorite movies. I used to be like, oh, this movie's so good. Oh, it's so, oh, I love it so much. A Clockwork Orange, I like the book. And I think, and I I love Stanley Kubrick. I think Stanley Kubrick is a great director. I like a lot of his stuff. I struggle with the amount of graphic violence in that film. And I struggle with the way that they portray rape in that film. And it's not just Clockwork Orange. It's a lot of stuff. And it goes back to my other point of I don't want to see my trauma not necessarily saying that's my trauma. I'm just speaking from like a general sense. I don't think anyone wants to see their trauma used to get a point across. And I think that's something, you know, I think rape has become way too common of a thing in film. In fact, I would argue that people are more shocked to see someone's organs than they are rape when it comes to film and it's because we see it everywhere you watch game of thrones i mean i swear to god it's like once every episode and i'm not sitting here saying oh rape is something that you just can't include in any type of film whatsoever but i'm saying like why do i need to see her naked and why do i need to see her being assaulted why do i need to hear the words she's saying why do i need to hear the words he's saying why why do i have to live through that entire experience. I have seen films portray rape and assault in ways where I know it happened without having to live slash relive that experience. And again, I think it just comes from a place of privilege and, you know, just too many white men behind the fucking camera. Or I don't know, uh, again, I hate saying the term, like, oh, just white men. Too many men, patriarchal figures, let me say that much, too much patriarchy happening behind the camera because it's really easy. You know, okay, for me, oh, God, that's not a good example. I can't use that example. 
there are things that are going to be less offensive to me than they are to someone else. And it is like I. Okay, I'm going to use I'm going to use an example that my art teacher taught me in like seventh grade. Mr. Khan, shout out to you. He goes, okay, here's a painting. And it was a painting of a slave um, being, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Hanged? Hanged? Lynched. Lynched, I think is the right word. But it was a painting of a black man being lynched. And, um, you know, it was obviously very upsetting. Um, And he asked us, he said, okay, would it be okay for a white man to paint this? And it brought up a, you know, we were seven and eighth graders, so we didn't know what the fuck to say. But he was like, would it be okay for a white person to paint this? The answer was no. And if you need to know why the answer is no, it's because when you don't have that experience and you don't have that to speak from, when you don't have that, I'm trying to think of the right word, you know, I, again, here, here's what I'm going to say. People, of course, are allowed to make whatever kind of art they want to, but just because you can doesn't mean you should. You should not be creating art about experiences that are hard and heavy subjects that you personally have not lived through. And that is, that is just my opinion. I think women and BIPOC people in general are just very mistreated in the film industry. Um, I'll also say members of the LGBTQ community are very mistreated in the film industry because, I mean, there's just so many situations. I feel like I can't even get started on it. There's so many times where it's like, okay, here's an example. Um, Sia, fuck that bitch. She literally made a film about autism and casted a not a... Wait. It casted a non-neurodivergent person to play a neurodivergent character. And it was extremely offensive. It was very mocking. Um, you know, I, I have a sister who's a member of the neurodivergent community who told me herself that it, that film very much so upset at her. Um, and, you know, it's just... It's just not right. I'm going to be fucking honest. It's not right to do that shit. I mean, we've heard, okay, let's say you have a trans character. They cast a non-trans person in that part. Let's say you have, I mean, it's happened before. You have a black character and a non-black person is cast in that part. You have Hispanic, I mean, Asian people. And then even when people of color and, you know, of the orientation or the um, sexuality are cast into the right parts, their parts are s- sometimes not even what they necessarily need to be. I think that's something we really need to observe is the fact that when you put a white man on screen, his whiteness is not a part of his character, but when you put a black man on screen, a blackness is a part of his char- or his blackness is a part of his character. Just the same way with sexuality and, you know gender and all other things um and I just think I think there's just like a lot of fucked up stuff that happens in film but I don't just want to sit here and like shit on film I'm also here to talk about some of the stuff I like uh so 
let's kind of let's get into you know what? I'm gonna talk about one film I really really like and then we're gonna get into the one that I'm actually here to talk about because this is gonna be interesting so I already mentioned everything everywhere all at once is my current favorite film of all time and it probably will be forever I'm gonna be honest guys this is the movie that made me believe in love again <laughs> and kind of helped me heal some of my family trauma and I say that so realistically if I can suggest to you any film if you had to watch one film in your whole life this would be the one in my opinion but anywho I'm gonna read you the description um it uh directed by Daniel Shiner and Daniel Kwan it came out in 2022 um and the little thing above it says the universe is so much bigger than you realize an aging Chinese immigrant is swept up in an insane adventure where she alone can't save what's important to her by connecting with the lives she could have led in other universes. So, that doesn't even cover the half of it, I'm going to be honest. And I'm going to try, try not to spoil too much about the movie. But, everything, everywhere, all at once. The first time I saw it, I was living alone um, in my own apartment doing my own thing I was really like kind of in my era of like loneliness and this is when I really wasn't dating a lot and I really I really was just like kind of sad and like I don't know I don't want to say I was sad I was just like learning how to be alone like I was doing my thing um and at like 10 o'clock one night I said you know what fuck it I'm gonna go see a movie so I went out and I was like let me see everything we're everything everywhere all at once um I was in the theater at like 1 a.m with one other woman next to me sobbing that movie made me cry so much and cry so hard. Oh, I just, I can't even begin to express. It is such a beautiful film and it ha I think it has a little bit of something for everyone. And every time I watch it, I feel like I learn a new lesson from it. I know the Oscars are coming up or, you know, the, the awards, whatever the award, Emmys maybe, I forget which one. Whatever it is, I hope that Everything Everywhere All at Once gets one. It truly deserves an award. And if you look at the actors take from it, I mean, it was perfectly cast. They put Asian American actors in the fucking role. They have people who are from these places, who have lived these experiences in these roles. It is beautifully fucking portrayed. It is well done. It is... It is a great movie. I literally, I just, I can't give it enough praise. It is the only movie I have rated five stars on Letterboxd. It is the only movie I probably will ever rate five stars on Letterboxd. Because to me, it is the perfect movie. It makes me feel every emotion that I can name and so many more that I can't. I just, I, I have to. I love it so much. Please, please watch it. And I'm kind of afraid that it's not going to get one. Honest to God, if you want my opinion... Oh, I hate this, but I think Avatar The Way of Water is going to, like, win, like, Best Film of the Year award. And I'll say Avatar The Way of Water is a good movie. But, like, it made me cry. Like, it's a good movie. It's a good movie. It's cute, and I liked it, and everyone likes Avatar. Like, if you don't like Avatar, like, that's just kind of fucking weird. Because it's well done. Like, you can't deny that. But I feel like for a three-hour movie... There was a lot left off. And also, you know, did we really have to put a white boy with dreads on screen? Like, come on. We could have done better than that. And did we really, did we really have to give, like, ugh. I just didn't like that. I feel like it was a little white savior-y. And I feel like 
I don't know. I would I would love one Avatar movie where they're not like all crying and risking their planet being ripped away from them. I'd love an Avatar movie where like we just like have some drama with the family and like we learn more about their lives and it's just like or like oh dude you know what i want to have an avatar movie next avatar movie here's my idea i want us to meet the air avatars and i want the air and the water and the forest avatars to all have a war with each other you know because the water avatars are mad at the forest avatars for like the people thing and I want, I want that to happen, okay? But I want at the end all of them to be like, oh my god, we're not so different after all. And they all come together. That's my dream for the third Avatar movie. I know it's probably not going to happen, but it is what I want. Because I'm sorry, I am... I kind of... I was a little disappointed to see almost a copy and paste of the first movie, in my opinion. Hot take. Um, but still, I'm not saying it's a bad movie. I did enjoy watching it. I enjoyed seeing it. Visually stunning, beautiful, amazing. It's grossed a lot of money. Good for it. Um, but you know, I, if it wins over everything everywhere all at once, (laughs) I'm gonna be a little heartbroken. Everything everywhere all at once, you will always be number one in my eyes. But let's get into the movie that we are here to talk about today. (sighs) God. So I didn't mention this one yet. Oh, God. <laughs> it is it is in my liked list because I did like it. It is called Licorice Pizza. Now, if you know about this movie, you already know, like, why I'm feeling this way. But if you don't, I'm definitely going to get into it. So, Licorice Pizza is directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. came out in 2021. It is set in the sun for... Er, excuse me. Set in the San Fernando Valley in the 1970s, the film follows a high school student who is also a successful child actor. That, I'm, I'm gonna be so real, that fucking, that description gives it no justification. Um, so the two main characters we see in the cast are Alana Haim and Cooper Hoffman. This was both, boast. both of their first movies, um, and for both of their first, our two leads, being brand new actors first movies ever very well done and i will i will credit them for that um but licorice pizza so let me give my description i'm gonna go ahead and say if you want to watch it here's your official spoiler i'm gonna be sharing a lot about the movie and i'm gonna ruin it for you so licorice pizza is about this boy and i forget his name because i just saw it i think i think gary i think gary is his name whatever is that uh, Gary? Is what we'll call him for now. Um, it's about the it's about this boy named Gary, and he meets this girl at his school photo shoot one day, and they're talking and flirting. And from the beginning, you're like, oh my gosh, these guys are these guys are cute. And he's like, yeah, I'm 15, and she's like, yeah, I'm 25. And you're like, what? <laughs> I'm sorry, you're what, ma'am? You're there, that's a 10 year age gap. Oh, okay, slay. Um, so they. We have a fun little situation of pedophilia already at the beginning of this movie. And pretty much throughout the film, we're following these two. And he is, the, Gary is an, uh, he's a child actor. He's very good at it. He's very spunky. And he also, 
you know, him and Alana, the girl, Gary and Alana. Gary's a 15-year-old boy. Alana's a 25-year-old woman. They become friends. Um, and they obviously have, you know, he has feelings for her off the bat. She is like, dude, you're fucking 15. I'm not interested. But, you know, they start hanging out. Um, she becomes his, she's like his, well, what's the word I'm looking for? She, like, goes with him to one of his filmings to be his fucking starts with a C I forget whatever I can't remember the word um but to watch over him and they open a waterbed business together (laughs) which is funny and um they you know they just go through a lot of different things together they go back and forth on like how they're feeling for each other they keep trying to make each other jealous one hurts the other Alana at some point gets into politics and she's like, fuck you, Gary. And then Gary opens a pinball museum and he's like, fuck you, Lana. And then at the end of the movie, they fall in love and they run to each other and hold each other and kiss. And that's where it ends. So I'm going to save the age gap part for later because <laughs> there, there are other problems with this film. Um, I will go ahead and say there is a lot of racism and anti-Semitism in this movie, specifically towards Asian Americans, and when I say anti-Semitism, you know I'm talking about Jewish people, um, which the thing is that, you know, racism in movies, it's not anything new, and having racist characters is not inherently bad because if you're having a character and they're racist that's the character like that's that's part of the movie my issue with the racism in this movie was it was extremely unnecessary in my opinion um like I'll say specifically there were parts where I don't know there's this guy and this his wife were opening a Japanese restaurant the wife was Japanese and the guy was white and he'd like speak to her in a very very offensive um hyper over-exaggerated Asian impression, we'll call it. Um, And then, you know, there's a part of the movie where the character, Alana, is trying out to be an actress, and her casting agent is like, oh, you have a very Jewish nose, and won't shut up about her Judaism and her Jewish nose. Um, And yeah, the whole... It's it's a very... It's very prevalent in the movie. Um, And... What I, you know, obviously I've taken to a few different sources and, like, I like getting a lot of opinions on movies. Uh, Something I heard from most people in regards to racism, and when most people I say from mostly Asian American voices or just in general Asian voices because those are the important ones I'd like to hear about on the subject, a lot of them said that it was very uncomfortable watching in theaters because people were laughing a little bit too hard at those parts when they shouldn't have been predominantly the white members of the theater. So I do think that the racism was very unnecessary. I think that I don't think I'm not saying the movie shouldn't have had racist characters because it was the seventies. Obviously people are going to be fucking racist like that. That is what it is. But the movie did it in a way that I felt was so like, just, it was just like, it's giving Quentin Tarantino throwing the N word anywhere he can into his movies. Um, which I don't even fucking care to talk about Quentin Tarantino. I don't dislike a lot of his movies. I just don't like him very much. So I'm not, I'm not really a big separate the art from the artist person. So, but anyway, um, so yeah, the racism that just wasn't really a slay for me. Um, 
I do want to talk about parts of the movie I did like really quick. It, like, what makes me sad about this movie is that it had the potential to be so fucking good. Like, it, it could have been so, so, so good. Like, it, the aesthetics, the soundtrack, it was beautiful. Even the story. I like the story. I like the idea that it's like, oh, hey, here is this guy and this girl, and they're both confused about who they are, but they're falling in love while they're figuring it out. And it's like, aw, so heartwarming. But that's where the fucking problem comes in. You are rooting for two characters to get together that have a 10-year age gap. If she was 30 and he was 20, okay. If she was 40 and he was 30, okay. If he was 17 and she was 18, okay. If he was even, I'll even say this, if he was 18 and she was 25, I could even probably forgive it enough to get on board with that. He is 15 in the movie. She is a 25-year-old woman. And to make matters even worse, I believe that the actor that played Gary, the 15-year-old boy, was 16 at the time of the filming, and the actress who played Alana was, I'd say, between the ages of 28 to 31, somewhere in there. Um, I don't know the exact age. I know I know that she is 31 now, and he is 17 or 18 now. Film came out in 2021. Do the fucking math. I don't care. Either way, these age gaps were real applicable things happening in their real fucking life, and they were playing characters who fall in love. They kissed. I think, and it comes back to, for me, the whole age gap thing, because, like, ugh, I keep going back and forth on it, because here's the thing. I don't believe that every character should be perfect. I don't believe that every character should be good. I think characters can be bad. I think, hey, if you want to do a movie about a 15-year-old and a 25-year-old that fall in love, you can do that. We've, we've seen American Beauty. I like American Beauty. American Beauty says, hey, look at this, like, 40-year-old dude falling in love with this 16-year-old girl. He's fucking weird, and this is really gross. Licorice Pizza didn't do that. Licorice Pizza had you, in a way, rooting for them to get together, and almost had you happy when they did, and that is innately wrong. You should not be rooting for a pedophilic relationship on screen. And I feel like just because the roles were reversed and the woman was older, people are accepting it more. And I think that that's extremely fucking wrong. And it's it's very much so frustrating me. And at the end of the day, it's unnecessary. Literally, like, a few times in the film, it's joked about, like, oh, haha, you're 15 and I'm 25. Isn't that crazy? And then it's otherwise not addressed. No one in the film is talking about the fact that this 15-year-old is dating this 25-year-old woman. The 15-year-old's mom doesn't talk about it. And here's the thing. Him being 15 actually has almost nothing to do with his character. He is an actor, and he owns a freaking water bed business, and then he owns a pinball fucking place. You could have had a fucking 20-year-old dude doing all of that and would have been just as fine. You could have had an 18-year-old doing that, and it would have been just as fine. There was absolutely no reason for him to be 15 years old. And I'm I'm very frustrated because I really... The film had a lot of potential, and it was... It's, I mean, the aesthetics of it are so pretty, and I just, like... I think about it, and I'm like, oh, this, this could have been so beautiful, but it had so many controversially unnecessary things in it. And it comes back to 
that it just had that shock factor. It just had that thing that got it talked about enough that people watched it. And I don't know. Again, it feels soulless. It feels, you know, gimmicky to me. And I'm. it, it makes me very sad because in general, I really, really liked the film. But there are just certain parts of it that I cannot morally excuse. Um, and that's why I still haven't rated it yet. Because I'm trying to figure out what the fuck I want to rate it. Because I like, I, it's a good movie. Like, sure, it's a good movie. I was involved. I was, you know, drawn into it. I enjoyed it. But there are just parts of it I couldn't get on board with. I don't know. Oh, shoot. Wow. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to probably leave this there. I think I just really needed to, like, get that fucking thing about licorice pizza out right now. Um, but, you know, movies rock. <laughs> Anyway, I hope you guys have a good night, good day, good morning. I hope you have a good day at work. I hope everything goes well for you. Um, you know, see you on the flippity flop. Ah, I haven't figured out how the fuck to end these episodes. But anywho, catch you later, guys.